Hello and welcome to Story Guts. This is where we explore what the stories we tell tell about us. I'm Molly Curran. And I'm Alice Lai. Thanks for listening. This week we're we're back on our regular schedule, I believe. Finally. Finally. Um <laughs> and we're we're here with a very exciting new episode about should I just jump right into it? I feel like we're Yeah, jump right into it. Okay. Jump jump right into uh, it. <laughs> I was like, wish I could like come up with some clever patter at the beginning, but I don't really. It's like, oh yeah, turn into any animals lately, because that's what well, we're talking about. Sometimes we're really good at it. Like, I mean, sometimes we're good at it. Sometimes we're not. T- today we just happened to both um, wake up like five minutes prior to uh, starting the podcast and just be like, all right, let's get going. And then we realized we didn't have any good patter of like, hey, if you were an animal, what kind of animal would you be, Molly? Cat, easy, sleeps all the time, like me. Eats mm-hmm. all the time, like me. Doesn't have responsibilities like I wish I had. So you're like a Garfield, like a Garfield kind of a character. Garfield, yeah. Mm. I always sort of thought I would be a kiwi bird, um, just because they're cute and flightless, and like predated to near extinction. Um, mm, like you, but, like me. But I, I guess like that's it's not really a. Um, that is our topic today: animals, specifically. Humans who are turned into animals. Specifically, yeah, we're we're looking at sort of transformations into animals. <laughs> no, um, we, yeah. we decided to just do like animals in general. We're like we're pretty <laughs> confident of animals. <laughs> so uh, what? If, isn't it weird that there are like things that are like us but not? Whoa! Whoa! <laughs> um, and isn't the the most dangerous animal man? Man, yes. <laughs> I love the way you think because it's so close to the way I think. Man. Uh, so yeah, we're we're thinking about <laughs> human to animal transformations, um, and you know, sort of thinking, kind of broadly, like this is a, a trope in mythology that you see where um, you know various gods will transform people into animals just for shits and giggles, because mm-hmm. um, the gods were assholes, are dicks, yeah, um, and then. Um, but you also just see a lot in um, in just a lot of other kinds of contexts. And I think it's maybe related to ideas of, of a shapeshifter or like we've talked about werewolves before and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I'm really thinking about is I'm thinking about um, the sort of like classic story of the cursed, um, you know, like the cursed prince who's turned into a frog. Oh, or, yeah. mm-hmm. um, you know, the, the, the cat in Hocus Pocus, right? Uh-huh. The, the boy who's transformed Turned by into the a witch, cat. um, into a cat, um, or what have you, where there yeah. is some sort of, um, external transformation that occurs. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's kind of seen as a curse. It's kind of a, um, sometimes a punishment. Yeah. Curse, punishment. It's, it's usually, there's, um. 
sometimes not always a level of like ironic specificity like you were slothful in human form so now you will be turned into a pig um i don't know like i'm just thinking of like oh or like you ate all my food that wasn't yours and so now you're turned into pigs right like, in both spirited away and cersei from the yes. odyssey yeah um like very very literally you're a pig so you're a pig now <laughs> <laughs> right it's not clever um <laughs> oh yeah but when you can turn people into animals you're you're probably not like aha get it um but i do think what's interesting is like sometimes we see the the animal um or the the human become animal mm-hmm. uh it's just sort of a a unfair curse you know, mm-hmm. put upon them by some evil person. But sometimes it's part of a, a sort of journey, right, of learning a lesson. Um, mm. And I think that's sort of equally common. Um, I mean, even if we think about Princess and the Frog, right, or the Frog the frog Prince, whatever the hell it's called. And mm-hmm. <laughs> in The Princess and the Frog, the Disney version, they make the turning of into of the frog of both the prince and the, and the, the princess um, mm-hmm. into sort of a moral lesson that each of them needs to learn um, yeah it's not just they get married in that me. movie that's wild they get like, married when they're frogs right isn't that why like they just like accept the fact they're like well i guess we're frogs forever let's yeah. get forest married like i would i would have a lot of trouble with that yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> sorry sorry you're, you were on a roll um, um so now you shall become a role Sorry. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. Boy, this is this is going real great. Um, <laughs> Sorry, guys. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I guess what I'm just thinking about is um, the idea that there's something, whether it's punishment or whether it's a lesson or whether it's both, about being an animal that is supposed to teach us something or teach teach our protagonist something. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it's the the value of other people and kindness or the lack of value of beauty right beauty and the beast mm-hmm. um beauty isn't everything whatever the hell the message of that movie is mm-hmm. so even when it's sort of um unfair or a, a cruel punishment there does seem to be an element of but this person does actually need to learn some kind of lesson that being transformed into an animal will teach them somehow it seems that like being an animal is supposed to really build character in a way that's not really obvious. It's just sort of taken for granted. It's like, okay, now you're now you're an animal. Now you're gonna like think about what you've done. Um I agree. I think I think it is it is interesting the way that it's sometimes framed as um there's this idea that it's like good honest work. Like a fairy cannot transform you. Like in some contexts, like um uh the more modern ones, the more modern movies where like uh, sorry to, to steal your examples, but you were talking about Animal's New Groove, Emperor's New Groove, Emperor's New Groove or yeah. that Kevin Spacey movie or the, the deeds of Eddie McDowd or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, there's this concept that like when you're an animal, it's like it's like good, honest work. Like you can't really it's um you can't really get like magically cursed to become a farmer um, because of the weird social economic implications. But it's it's sort of like you're you're reduced to a state of like 
animals are innocent, you're reduced to a state of innocence. And like part of the humor is that a foul. Sorry, go on. No, I mean, I think I think you're right or I think you're on the right track. But to me, it's less about sort of good, honest work or whatever, because like in the Emperor's New Groove, he becomes a llama. Like that's true. And he's very useless as a llama. It's about humbling him. Right. Mm hmm. Like that's, that's true. essentially is that it's humiliating to be an animal. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's taking people who are in these positions of often p- people who are in positions of sort of power um, or who are have this sort of hubris and um, cutting them down to size or humbling them by making them be sort of a um in an animal that that embodies sort of the things that they most are disgusted by or whatever right mm-hmm. so like lack of beauty or sort of inability to be like worshipped or um lack of power mm-hmm. um you know like the the cat in um Salem in Sabrina the Teenage Witch right was a evil wizard or whatever who's put into mm-hmm. the form of a cat um who just has to sort of be people's pet now mm-hmm and I think and Princess and the Frog is also a good example too of like you're right like the humiliation the humiliation the humbling of it is supposed to be a really important aspect of it um, as as well as I mean it's it's sort of funny just because the, the powerlessness of it is like really obvious like no opposable thumbs is a very <laughs> a very humbling uh, humbling thing but I don't know yeah and I mean I think. Like, in a very obvious way, sort of being seen, not being seen as human, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you are dehumanized, very literally, um, when you are transformed into an animal. Um, <laughs> and so it's it's about sort of your relationship to yourself, but it's also about your relationship uh, to others and the fact that others will not see you as fully or at all human. Um, mm-hmm. And we've we've talked a bit about sort of monsters and how that's a similar kind of uh facet so i'd say this is definitely related um Mm -hmm. but i think with the the human to animal transformation right there's always the um the promise of the transformation back there's once the lesson is learned yeah there's there's a promise of the transformation back um there there is kind of the additional philip that like you're very frequently you're not transformed into a dangerous animal. Um, right. There's you're not uh, like the werewolf, for example, is like a, a wolf. Like that's not you're not like I will curse. You've been really mean to other people, so I'm going to turn you into a tiger. <laughs> it's like sweet. <laughs> this is rad as hell. Um, True. Yeah. And now I'm going to go maul everyone. It's always something. Yeah, I think the size. Like yeah, I mean I was like the size, the harmlessness. All of it is supposed to be like. The, this is how you treat other people or this is how you make other people feel like this is and therefore I don't know right. this is a lesson you have to learn like to be yeah right and I mean I think at the same time the the person who or like the the cause of the transformation is often a amoral if not immoral um force right so you mm-hmm. get your sort of like evil witch who does the transformation hocus pocus you get the witches do turn the the guy into a cat i don't know what his lesson was he didn't save his sister so like wasn't wasn't didn't he get his lips all stitched up or something no that was a different guy that was the ex-boyfriend of one of the witches okay um 
No, the the in Hocus Pocus, it was the brother of the little girl who gets killed at the beginning, mm-hmm. and he gets transformed into a cat and also is immortal, um, and Does basically makes it his job to keep them from coming back. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess you know, Princess and the Frog, you get your evil magician dude. Um, in the Beauty and the Beast, you get your witch who is of confusing motivations, at least, say. <laughs> um, in, help me out here. You know, Emperor's like in New Groove. Emperor's New Groove, it's right, also, Yzma, the, like, evil witch lady. Also um, kind of by accident, I suppose. Yeah, right, it was meant to be poison. <laughs> it was meant to be poison. <laughs> the poison? Cusco's poison? The poison specifically for Cusco? <laughs> Um, the pattern of that movie is just so good it's it's still quite funny and then you know like the um do you remember what the 100 deeds of eddie mcdowell oh it's like he's he's reincarnated i don't know that is that right reincarnated here's the thing i don't remember i think he is he is a bad kid who gets turned into a dog and is told he can become a human again once he does 100 good deeds but I don't know who turns him into a dog. I don't know what circumstances or who is like, you have to do 100 good deeds. Okay, so I'm sorry. I'm guessing it may, it's possible that it's like one of those like cursed shops where he like picks up uh, like a by now politically insensitive like voodoo skull or something and it's turned into a dog for offending the owner. Or in the first one, we graphically get to see him get hit by a truck. And then St. Peter is like, well, you know, you didn't really get a fair shake. So we're going to turn you into... A dog. Um, (laughs) Like we do with every other person who dies young, but is also a jerk, I suppose. Oh, my God. Every dog is actually the soul of a murdered (laughs) jerk child. Oh, my God. That's Um, horrible. That is horrible. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so I don't don't quite remember. But you're probably right. It's probably something like that. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I feel like rarely is the person who performs the transformation somebody that we're like, rooting for mm-hmm. um i mean even think about in in harry potter right if you remember um in the fourth book when um what's his face mad eye moody turns draco malfoy into a ferret right oh yeah and at the mm-hmm. moment this is hilarious you're like omg draco malfoy he's such a little brat he uh-huh. deserves to be turned into a ferret this is so funny and then later you realize oh wait mad eye moody was a uh, like death horrible, eater, or like you know, he wasn't death that eater, he torture. Was a, exactly, and part of his grudge against Draco Malfoy was a grudge against Lucius Malfoy for, to his opinion, not being a faithful servant. Uh, what's, and you're what's like, oh, fa- that's darker than. Uh. Oh yeah, but but there's there's I feel like maybe there is a little bit of intentionality behind it, but also this is the one where. I always come back to the um, the football, like the you know the Quidditch player who gets pushed into a closet and suffers like permanent brain damage after being lost in the space between worlds for two weeks. Um, so right. no, what no, no, I mean, I'm saying, I'm saying it's dark. Like I'm saying, yeah. like mm-hmm. I'm saying, you get this sort of animal transformation as punishment, um, but once again, the person doling out the punishment is is questionable at best so the person doling out the punishment so we kind of we have like the the two equations of like we have a jerk person usually who needs to get taught a lesson and we have i don't know the lessonee but the the powerful mage who turns something into someone 
into an animal is usually gets off scot-free. They're not like, I mean, not, not Mad-Eye Moody slash right. evil guy, but like in general, it's kind of understood that like, um, it's funny, like the turning of this jerk person into animal was inherently a moral act. Um, so it's not necessarily like they are a scourge romp like across the world, like turning people into animals for no reason. Right. They're, they're doing it like, you know, they're justified or whatever. Um, right. Like the witch in Beauty and the Beast. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, th- I think that's right. Like often that is the case that they're, they're sort of a, um, again, which is why I say, I think they're often more like amoral forces than immoral forces, mm-hmm. um, where it's, it's about enforcing some kind of lesson that isn't necessarily, doesn't necessarily make them a good or a bad person. Right. Which, um, which I think the most interesting part about this is like what we're coming back to a couple times in the, um the naturalness, quote-unquote naturalness, of turning someone into an animal versus, like, um, it's, it's we have, like, black magic, you know, in, in the in in the common terms, there's, like, white magic, there's black magic. Um, turning someone into an animal is, like, a morally gray area. Like, you're not, um, you're not necessarily, like, putting a curse on them. You're not, like, making their teeth fall out or their legs fall off um, until they, you know, mm-hmm. until they figure out the value of a life with legs. Um Right, and, they, and there, again, there is usually that that loophole. Like, so if it is a curse, it's a curse that has a built-in lesson, right? Mm-hmm. Of you need to be able to do this thing, and then the curse will lift. Um, right. Which, again, like a curse that has sort of this like built-in, you know, exit strategy <laughs> that that contains a moral lesson. It mm-hmm. isn't straightforwardly good or bad. I think. Mm-hmm. So, so it is interesting that like this, this animus, like this, whatever is turning people into animals, it's like, yeah, I mean, that it, it is like there's the sun, the moon, and the creek that turns you into a badger if you're mean to it. Like that's makes sense, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, think about the alternative, right? Which I think we we do see, which is people just become animals for no reason. <laughs> like you don't have that, right? You that that's Kafka, right? Yeah, that's true. It's um, it's it's horrifying and it's it's horrifying. It's absurd. It's and this is also, I believe, the plot of um the lobster, which is that if you do not find like pair up with somebody by the time you're some particular age, you turn into an animal. But of your choice, though. So I don't know what he's complaining about. Yeah, I guess that's true. I don't. Yeah. Do you, <laughs> You, and you have to turn into an animal? Yeah, I think so. Sur- I'm not really sure how it works. I mean, probably some, I don't know, who knows? Um, but, right, but, this this sort of, like, you know, in these cases, in your in your Gregor Samza Kafka case, right? Like, mm-hmm. there's not a lesson. There's not a, a exit strategy. It's just, oh, shit, I'm a big bug. <laughs> <laughs> um. And, like, that is pretty horrifying. Mm-hmm. And I think also, uh, what am I trying to say? Um, like, I, I think, like, the that kind of story, I don't know, there's, there, like, there's something inherently fairy tale-ish about the curse that can be lifted. Um, there's something mm-hmm. very bleak and modern about you turn into an animal, the end, period. The, the curse that cannot, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, I think when you say it's something very modern, I think you're you're right in that it taps into this very, 
I use the word defeated a lot, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. but I think there, in a sense, there is like, this is what we have. This is what we have to work with. Um, so let's like, so like, let's heave a deep sigh and figure out what we can get done as like a rat with human hands or something. Who knows? I I've been trying to think of other examples because like, if you ask me if there are stories in which people turn into animals, I would be like, yeah, sure, loads. But I'm not, <laughs> um, not drawing onto too many of them. I know the in the Greek ones. Um, I mean, there's a lot of Greek myths of, like, people, like, Ovid's metamorphosis of people right. uh, being, like, punitively turned into an animal or, like, um, I don't know, as a reward to, like, escape hunters or something. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a classic one of a man who, like, saw, I think, Artemis bathing, I want to say, and got turned into a deer and got, like, killed by his own dogs. But um, but in, in that sense, it's less of a... Um, it doesn't feel bleak or modern because of the presence of divinity. In that case, it's just sort of like, yeah, gods are just going to do stuff. Yeah. Like, sorry. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely true. Um, yeah, I don't know. And then I think like it's also worth thinking about like the different kinds of animals people turn into do seem to have different connotations, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, whether somebody is turned into a ferret because they're an annoying little rodent or mm-hmm. somebody is turned into a frog um, or somebody's turned into a hideous beast. Mm-hmm. Um, like these, these different kinds of animals have different connotations. And I guess this is what we see in the sort of more voluntary transformations. Um, like in Harry Potter with um, the Anna, Anna Magi or Animagi mm-hmm. um, where they can sort of, they choose to turn into an animal though i'm pretty sure they don't choose what animal they turn into right it's it's always kind of like what you're right, most like, appropriate there's something innate about you right so like mm-hmm. sirius is innately like a big dog somehow <laughs> and peter rita skeeter's Pettigrew innately. Is innately a rat and rita skeeter's innately like a little bug um there's something about your inner characteristics it's similar to the patronus right where it's like mm-hmm. um somehow representative of your soul the animal right. that you become which sucks can you imagine this is this is the joke i make but i i think it's totally true like in in the modernized world of harry potter like if you go in for a job interview they'll be like all right what's your animal all right and what's your patronus all right now we have the spoggart in a closet now we're gonna see what your deepest fear is oh my god yeah <laughs> like cool all right well that's. I think that's it. I think you'll. Uh, I don't think you're a culture fit for us. We're all really more um, stags and majestic beasts, and uh, the snake thing's kind of weird. So, right. I mean, like f- for real though. Like the the heavy connotations of meaning with particular animals um, make it so that c- certain, um, you know, certain forms, certain animagus forms. You're like, yeah, this. I trust this. I trust this dog. Um, uh-huh. versus he's literally a rat. Like, he's right. a rat, and he acts like a rat, and everything about him is ratty. Don't trust him. He's a rat. There's And, there, I mean, there's, like, Rita Skeeter. Like, you're literally a mosquito? What? She's, a, she's a beetle. A beetle. Okay, you're yeah, literally a beetle. A beetle. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I, guess, I guess part of that's supposed to be, like, you never disappointed, like... You're always like, yeah, this is, I knew it. This is very right. Um, which is such a weird kind of fundamental, like, 
I don't know. I mean, it, it speaks to the fantasy that magic knows who you are. Who knows? Yeah. Um, I mean, did, was there somewhere else you wanted to go? Mm-mm. No. Oh. Okay. I, I thought we were on topic. Like, we're talking about humans transforming into animals. Right, right. But I was talking more about, like, magic and, like, I don't know, the the true self or whatever. Yeah. Okay. 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 Um, but, I mean, I think this is a, a, a fantasy trope, right? When, when you do have the human transformation into animal that is voluntary that there is some sort of innate connection between Mm -hmm. the human and the animal that you become um i'm thinking also of animorphs yeah Mm -hmm. right where okay they can turn into like whatever animal i think if as long as they've seen it Mm -hmm. um no they have to touch it and absorb oh they have to touch it sorry okay um come on molly but there there are like preferred forms right that they take yeah yeah i Um, think so and so i don't know the main thing I remember about Animorphs is the boy who turns into a bird and then he's stuck as a bird forever. Tobias, yeah. Tobias. Um, and how, like, sad that was. Mm-hmm. But, um, but you know, I, I think, like, we're supposed to, like, it is a kind of personality test. Like, oh, what animal do you prefer turning into? Mm-hmm. Um, which I make, makes sense. Like, you know, if I were to ask you, what kind of animal would you be if you were an animal? Like, that is a... Right, and I think it, though I think it is kind of different if it's like what kind of animal would you be if you could like could animal style turn into it at will versus like if you could be trapped as an animal forever. Like if I could animal turn into one animal, I definitely wouldn't choose kiwi bird. Like right, yeah, that that'd be like my my help like Patronus, my hilarious Patronus that gets immediately sucked up by a Dementor, <laughs> uh, just like whoop. <laughs> It's like, well, that was like a nice popcorn snack for you. Yeah, I think I think I wanted to just um, signal the mid episode, customary mid episode switch into more specific topics, which we're already kind of doing with animorphs. Um, yeah. Unless you wanted to do something more broad and general, like all animals suck. No, I guess I just kind of I'm, I'm there. I don't know that I have that much to say. Like you need to give me more to say then. Yeah, sorry, sorry. No, I'm I don't think so either. I think we should just talk animorphs because i love animorphs well tell me more because i don't i as i said the main thing i remember about animorphs is tobias turning into a bird and being stuck as a bird forever um yeah i think i think a lot of them um it's so th- there's like the rules of animorphs which is like you can only stay an animal for two hours otherwise get stuck at them permanently um they're the team who are a bunch of kids who get this like morphin power um though they're not the mighty morphin power rangers uh they decide very early on that they should not unless like required to assume the form of other sentient beings um Mm. so they shouldn't like turn into other people though i think they do like once or twice as like um necessary subterfuge but subterfuge but i think it also explains why they don't like regularly turn into like security guards or something Mm -hmm. um so i think and all of them also have their like battle morphs i think which is like what they prefer to become when they're like need to inflict some heavy damage and i think like i don't remember anything anymore but i think like one of them is a bear one of them is a tiger etc they're like this is our like wreck our shit forms um and tobias makes like kind of what's seen as the ultimate sacrifice is that um they in like one of the very very early books they have to turn into birds like infiltrate a facility um and they they kind of fuck up like they kind of push the limit um one, and one of them almost gets stuck half transfer, mid-transformation, which is, like, horrifying. Um, and then Tobias is like, yeah, I can't change back. I'm a, I'm a hawk now. And, like, has to learn to, like, 
right like, i think one of them tries to like take care of him by feeding him like burger meat but he eventually just like goes wild and just like eats roadkill and stuff mm-hmm. um yeah and it's interesting because in there's also like the politics of morphing like cassie is like a very gifted morpher and that she can like control how she like the parts of parts that she changes first and whatever and Cass and uh, Rachel at some point is shown to be like allergic to certain animal DNAs so like when she becomes a crocodile she like throws up a crocodile or something and like demorphs in the middle of I don't know it's it's really complicated who knows I I certainly don't this is like the extended animorphs megaverse um I mean it's a many books long series yeah and several of them are ghost written but um, Most the author, of them, I think, were ghost written. But apparently, it's uh, a very interesting. We don't need to get deep into the animorphs, but apparently, it is a very interesting series. I'm very curious about the whole thing. I yeah, didn't. Yeah. I read a couple of the books and watched the TV show, and still don't remember much. Apparently, the author has like a trans daughter, which I think is oh. really, which is funny because I think that was like that. Also, I don't know. I'm not going to say it makes sense because like she is the she is the mother. Um, I'm sure that it was not like on the forefront, but I think every trans person who reads Animorphs is like, yeah, but like being like, why don't you just like, just like, I don't know, try it out. Like try out the, you know, just, just casually, you know, why, why are none of them switching genders and just like trying it out for a little bit? Like, this is so unrealistic. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Anyways. That makes sense. Um... (laughs) So going back a little bit, but I think I think what you're getting at, right, when you're mm-hmm. talking about um, the case of Tobias, right, is where these sort of different instances that we've talked about kind of meet, where mm-hmm. the freedom of the of the transformation that sort of is a, a way of showing, you know, some part of yourself, or that is is um, that you're in control of, that there's sort of a sense of power around becoming a permanent curse Mm -hmm. and you know and i think i think we do see that elsewhere we see that you know in the case of i mean in harry potter of um peter pettigrew having to live as a rat for like 16 years years. and um and i mean again it only happens to our villains really because and then rita skeeter hermione keeps her in a jar for at least a few months (laughs) Yeah, it doesn't seem great. Horrifying. Um, Though, and and in Animorphs, I think this was in the TV show because you remembered it. It was like um, they give the morphing power to like another kid, and they find out that he's like kind of evil. So they turn him into a rat and like trap him in a tube for like two hours until he's like permanently ratified. Mm -hmm. Um, And he does come back at some point as like a minor villain, but Mm yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I there's there's. I think that's sort of a classic um, trope as well, right? Of, like, the thing that gives you a new kind of freedom becoming the thing that, like, traps mm-hmm. you. Um, yeah, always. So, yeah. <laughs> it sucks. I don't know. Being trapped as animal would really stink. Yeah. <laughs> the we end. Are, we are trapped as animals, Alice. Oh, shit. You're oh, right. Shit. Though, what's, what's interesting to me is that um, in some stories like we're talking a little bit about um spirited away and um cersei from the odyssey uh they people are turn. it's funny enough both of them are turned into pigs but it is not really um it's not a moral lesson it is not like 
okay, now you have to, like, figure out, like, how to, like, morally elevate yourself as pigs. It's just sort of, like, external motivation for someone else to, like, turn them back from pigs. And it also seems like they don't quite, you know, they're not, like, they don't remember their pig life. Yeah. I mean, mm. the lesson is more for the person who doesn't transform, right? Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, and, and in a case, like, in both of those cases, that that's also... I think edging into sort of the the fairy territory, the fairy tale, um, mm-hmm. don't eat the food of um, fairyland because it will trap you there forever, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but but you're right. Like it's not it's not like a moral lesson in the same way. It's really just the punishment. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just the punishment that it's like it's it's we have like it's more humane than like killing them or injuring them because it can be like totally reversed but it's like more so than like a slap on the wrist or something who knows yeah i don't know i don't know if it's more humane probably not (laughs) well the question really is do they eat the pigs oh they probably would have like eventually yeah (laughs) Mm -hmm. because that's dark i guess so your your (laughs) your your companions being turned into pigs and then you being fed them yeah, but there's also, like, a rich and story tradition of being fed your own, like, companions, like, unwittingly. Yeah, it's still horrifying. Yeah, that's yeah, true. Yeah. <laughs> You're just like, oh, fray pies, whatever. <laughs> I find, yeah, whatever. Yeah. We also talk, sorry, go on. Oh, no, you, what? Oh, I was just going to move on to, like, I was, like, just thinking about the 100 Deeds of Eddie McDowd. Okay. Um, I, I realize now that the only thing I remember about that is that somebody, um... Somebody made a Twitter account where they, like, because the show was canceled before before Eddie McDowd could, like, finish out his 100 mm. deeds, someone made, like, a short, like, fake comic of, like, oh, yeah, I'm just gonna, like, it's always, it's, like, it's haunted me forever that Eddie McDowd is trapped as this, this dog just because the TV show got canceled, so I'm just gonna finish out um, the rest of his 100 deeds so that I feel, um, <laughs> so I feel a bit of closure on it, um, just, like, kind of shitposty, but... Um, yeah, I mean, in the sense of, I think it kind of makes sense. It's like, if you're turned into an animal to learn a moral lesson, um, and you learn that moral lesson and you get don't get to turn back, it kind of seems shitty, so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, imagine if at the end of Princess and the Frog, they've both learned their lessons about valuing life and each other or whatever, mm-hmm. and then they get married as frogs. And, and then they're it. still frogs. <laughs> I mean, like, you know, that's maybe within within the world of the movie, they've made their peace with that and are fine with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but from a, a viewer standpoint, it's not very satisfying. Well, um, I think... Unless I think you're the... getting... Unless you're... And this is, like, a totally different case. Unless you're getting, like, a Shrek, you know, um, deconstruction of the whole thing. I think what... What always, and this might just be because I overthink everything, um, but what always strikes me as uh, kind of brutal about it is that, like, the lives of animals are, like, you know, to quote, you know, it's like they're brutish and short. Mm-hmm. Like, it sucks being an animal. Mm-hmm. Um, like, unless specifically, I guess you have this, like, fairy tale Redwall-esque, like, community, like in Princess and the Frog, where you just sort of, like, it's like animal communism. Um, but... But still, you you have to like I don't know avoid getting eaten and like oh. yeah I mean I think I think like it is meant to be 
difficult. Um, <laughs> it's meant to be difficult. And I, I think I think that's fair. And I think like probably there are more or less bleak versions of you know mm-hmm. in Princess and the Frog they do find this sort of like animal community of of other animals who are cool. Um, <laughs> but in um, you know the Metamorphosis. <laughs> he turns into a big bug and then gets killed because they're like, "What the fuck is this big bug? I'm gonna kill it." No, they don't. They don't kill him immediately. They kill him through neglect. Okay, um, yeah, whatever. There's like, oh yeah, this guy, like, oh no, our dearest, I don't know, uncle, maybe not father, I don't know. It's like it's a bug now. I guess we should take care of it. Then they're just sort of like, wow, it's a lot of work caring for like this giant bug. Yeah. Oh, and then, wow. like, he is that like, really what happens? I do not remember this story. It's pretty. It's I thought pretty they rough. were like, "Oh my god, there's a giant bug! I'm gonna kill it right now!" And then they. Well, kill that it. would be a like one paragraph story. <laughs> well, first it like goes through existential crises and stuff. Um, no, he lives for several. I think like he lives for a while as a giant bug while people try to f- decide if like they're like maybe he'll turn back naturally. And there's I remember there's this graphic like. Someone just like throws an apple at him in like disgust, and apple gets like. Oh, I do remember that. You're right. Lodged, gets lodged yeah. in. Yeah. Ugh. And then like yeah, and then he eventually dies, and they're just like quietly relieved, and it's just such a. Um, I think it speaks a lot to the fundamental, like it's like growing old, right? It's like all the people who are like you don't want to become a like. Of course you won't be a burden. Like of course I'll love you even if you're an oyster or whatever that children's book is. No Do you know idea. that children's book? No. There's this children's book where it's like, would you love me even if I was an oyster? And it's just like a small child just being like, would you love me if I was an oyster? Would you love me if I was an otter? Like, would you love me even if I was like this disgusting animal? And the mom's like, of course I would love you. Um, but what the metamorphosis teaches us is that no, like there are <laughs> limits. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Well, that would be um, ridiculous. Right. So, and also the lack of communication. Sorry, I just like the metamorphosis is kind of a joke, but it is really a kind of a bleak, kind of terrifying. Just like part of the reason that he's like left to die is like he can't communicate, he can't show right. appreciation, he can't communicate his needs either. And like they assume that he is like a dumb, unthinking animal at some eventually when he's in fact like conscious. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways. Right, and I mean, I think that is that is sort of part of the the horror of the animal transformation. If the person in the animal or the person who became the animal can't communicate with people anymore, like that's, um, you know that that's its own kind of horror. And I think a lot of these stories get around that by having the animal continue to be able to communicate with humans. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the cases where they aren't, like there is something like genuinely scary about that um, oh for sure for for them yeah mm-hmm. um i don't know or you know like to be like hey don't kill me i'm your brother i'm, I'm just like a mouse now <laughs> right which which is that from i don't know i was just making okay. that up <laughs> okay okay I, th- I think i mean i don't know if it was like uh i i because the, the tale rings really true um and i think it's like in the children's but like in a children's movie context and i can't remember where um it was like injected to add some like terror before they go and like make mouse friends or whatever mm-hmm. um specifically 
Yeah, I don't. I can't yeah. remember of another. I was like, I, th- I was like, I think like the moment in Honey I Shrunk the Kids where they almost yeah, get eaten by their own father. Yeah, that's what I was thinking of too. I think. But I don't know. And then, um, hmm. Well, not to not to be uh, too Game of Thrones on Maine, but uh, okay, right, right. But I think it's obvious here too, also about like warging and like yeah, right. Okay, yeah. so like which is is different. Like it's not the same <laughs> as what we've been talking about, but it's not unrelated. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it, particularly when you get into the cases where. Um, which sort of in the books they talk more about. Um, I don't know how much, I really don't think they get into it in the show, of like what happens if you are warging and you d- your body dies and you mm-hmm. are still inside the animal, um, which happens to at least one person. Um, one, yeah, one person who, yeah. Um, and, and possibly to John as well, but we, we shall never know. It's a theory. <laughs> um, <laughs> and yeah, and I, I mean, and I think that that's, Because I think George R. R. Martin is like a pre- actually a pretty subtle Damn. and complex writer at times. Damn. Like I do think that there's it's not just I think there's a really like kind of beautiful mix of like freedom and horror in that mm-hmm. um, you know, in working, in being being able to um to be an animal and not be an animal, but mm-hmm. not necessarily having the kind of control over it that, um, you know, a Harry Potter animagus has. Like, right. there, well, there's a real sense, especially, like, a lot of these characters who are warging, like, they're just kind of learning. Like, Bran's just kind of, like, learning as he goes, and he does a bunch of shit he's not supposed to do as a warg. Like, mm-hmm. in the books, there are, like, very clear rules. Like, you don't warg into humans. You don't, uh, you don't like, kill humans when you are a when you're in the form whatever you or mm-hmm. eat them maybe you don't like you don't have sex while you're in wolf form or whatever mm-hmm. and like brand does a bunch of that i don't remember if he has sex but he does a bunch <laughs> of, he does do a bunch of that stuff mm-hmm. and he doesn't know those he doesn't know those are the rules and there is this degree of real freedom for him in being able to do this but it's also this it's also horrifying um mm-hmm. in a lot of ways right um you it's 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 kind of the sense of like a lot of power being abused. Um, I I wanna I do wanna like on the subject of warging. Um, I'm gonna I wanna talk a little bit about um, Terry Pratchett's Discworld novels to be Discworld on Maine. Um, there's a character called Granny Weatherwax who's really I forget what the exact term for it, but she's really really good at like projecting her mind into animals mm-hmm. and the specific um, kind of it's specifically like you do not control the animal you're kind of like a passenger in their mind it's mm-hmm. a explicit explicitly based around consent um and i think part of it is um you you can't it's extremely dangerous for young witches to attempt because um you can just lo- you can lose yourself in the animal you can like the boundary between what you are and what the animal is can break down very easily and um and you'll just end up kind of like your body in a comatose state and then like your you will think that you you're a hawk mm-hmm. or something um so i think there there's a couple cases of basically like a up-and-coming young witch like almost losing their minds or like the i don't know i mean i think it's really interesting about like what this speaks to terry pratchett's like portrayal of the mind of mm-hmm. the body of um of that thing or like when you come back from animal, there's always an adjustment period 
um, like for comp like, and um, I don't know. I th- I just remember one time there's like a really classic case of um, Granny Weatherwax like she successfully like projects her mind into a swarm of bees, um, and she's like really really smug about it because she's like this has literally like literally it's like considered impossible by yeah. like other witches um, to like turn it to, like to like become a hive mind. Yeah. Uh, but and then and then come back, I think is is also like the writer is like um anyway, she comes back, she like she's just like bring me like forty gallons of sugar water. <laughs> like um, um and you do not that's that's really cool. Um you, mm-hmm. you don't get that in, in Saga of Ice and Fire. But I do think you do get a similar um thing of, you know, sometimes Sometimes it seems like the wargs are passengers. Sometimes it seems like they have control. I think, you know, like in, when there are like wolf dreams, they're, mm-hmm. they're more like passengers then. But then there are definitely times when it seems like Bran has control. Um, and then you also get the sense of a blurring of, you know, knowing who he really is. I mean, I think even in the show, mm-hmm. um, Jojen warns Bran that he shouldn't be in summer all the time. Um, he shouldn't sort of be warging all the time because he'll mm-hmm. just want to stay there um, yeah. and not come back. Yeah, I mean, what what's interesting here is um, both kind of in this example, in the Game of Thrones example, and um, in the Animorphs example, um, but all of which are more modern works, I guess, there's, um, there's this injunction that, like, you can't stay. Like, um, so... Mm-hmm. And then tied to that is like kind of obviously the assumptions like you would want to stay, mm-hmm. um, uh, which is interesting compared to like the curse. Um, and I guess I guess in the in the Game of Thrones thing of like there is there is an there is an awful freedom and an awful price like mm-hmm. to staying like you you can't you can give it you can leave it all behind, um, but like you know you at a you know, the cost is your humanity in a very literal sense. Mm-hmm. Not like, you know, you, you're a monster, but like um, you give up everything that makes you a human um, for this like contentment, for this like um, animal bliss, I guess. Like mm-hmm. the animal, yeah, I don't know. It's it's interesting that, I don't know, that, I mean, for animals, it's probably there to add a little bit of um, tension because they're like, I got to get back to the surface before my two hours runs out. But there's also kind of a sense of like, you know, maybe this is why. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I think that's I think that's really interesting. Um, and, hmm. and I guess Peter Pettigrew too. It's like, why not abandon all my responsibilities and just like become chill a out rat forever? Become a rat forever. I'm not. You I know. mean, it doesn't seem like he enjoyed doing that necessarily. No, but he clearly that's true. enjoyed it more than being dead. So. Mm-hmm. Um, or in he prison. Under- yeah. He clearly understood that, like. So, but he didn't need to, he didn't have a price he needed to pay, um, other than, you know, giving up being a human for 16 years. Yeah, so, so animals, yeah. <laughs> animals, human animals. Um, there's a poetry collection I have not read that's called Human Animals. Really? Yeah. Oh, I, I think there's like the satirical webcomic at some point by the person who did um, MS Paint Adventures slash Homestuck mm. called Humanimals, um, but who knows? Well, there's definitely a poetry collection called Humanimals, um, again, that I haven't read. <laughs> <laughs> I 
And um, finally, I was I was going to kind of shout out like being John Malkovich. But, oh, my um, God. Okay. Wait, I and know I said that not to because I disagree with yeah. this as an example. Okay. But it's not an example. But I was thinking about um, how – have you seen it, Molly? Yeah. I mean, it's been a long Spoilers. time. I don't remember it well. Okay. Spoilers for becoming John Malkovich. Part of it is that you get to like control John Malkovich. But at the end, um, this person is like the main character is like trapped forever in the mind of his daughter or something as a as a passenger. Who knows? It's a weird movie. Um, oh, I yeah, I didn't remember that. That's how that ended. Mm-hmm. Poor John Malkovich. He spends entire the entire well, you know, in the movie. He's like puppeted do, do around. Do they by... control him, or do they just? Yeah. Okay, I couldn't remember if they controlled him or if they're just, you know, hanging out. They control. They control him, and he's also um, fully conscious while this is happening. Um, so it's uh, so like he gets like controlled by like several for like ten years by this one guy. He gets like a moment of respite when he's like not controlled. Um, and then, like, something else happens when she's, like, controlled again. But, like, in that moment, he's like, I'm free. Like, holy shit. Like, my life is mine again. Then he gets controlled again. Oh, my God. That's so dark. It's real. It's a, it's, it's a really dark movie. I don't know why um, I saw this movie when I, I definitely saw it when I was probably, like, 12. There, there is this really funny moment when John Malkovich, and, like, does the being John Malkovich himself. Yeah, I feel like I remember and... he, like, goes through. I remember they, like, crawl into this weird cupboard thing. Mm-hmm. And, like, crawl and then he like John Malkovich is like he everyone becomes John Malkovich and then he like falls out of um he shows up at like the place outside the highway or whatever but very magical realist and very grim <laughs> yep. um, yeah so I guess that's related sort of <laughs> yeah isn't the the most dangerous animal of all John Malkovich <laughs> yeah that's right when you think about it, isn't the most dangerous animal John Malkovich? All right, let's wrap up um, so I can go finish my homework. Mm, sounds good. Uh, so what what have you been up to? What have you? We can do our end of the episode check in. Read um, anything? Watch anything? Move anything? Really? Move anything? Yeah, funny you should say that. So I wanted to kind of. Um, Say aspirationally, um, I hear that Russian Doll on Netflix is really good. I know um, so, that's what I hear too. So I'm going to try to watch it either singly or with you know Hannah, my girlfriend. Yeah, and I've been moving a lot lately, so um, <laughs> yeah, I haven't been able to uh, really do much else. Um, I've tried War Groove, which is a Switch slash Steam game that um, that is like Advance Wars, which is really fun, but I haven't played too much of it yet. Um, and the next update for our game, Hades, comes out on Tuesday. Woo! Um, woo, so try that out if you have any interest in procedure and dungeon roguelikes with Greek-themed mythology narration. Which, who wouldn't? <laughs> okay, Molly, how have you been? Uh, fine. Um, so I have made the resolution for myself to try and enjoy reading again because mm. the entire process of prelims smushed all the joy from my body um so sorry that's not funny (laughs) no it's kind of funny um given that i'm supposed to spend the next several years of my life reading um that's the career that i am trying to do and i derive no enjoyment from it lately but Mm. in order to um try and 
help this, uh, I went to the bookstore and just bought some books that I thought looked fun. Um, oh, cool. So yesterday I actually read a whole novel, just, you know, hanging out. I read, um, it's called The Bear and the Nightingale, which uh-huh. I don't remember who it's by, but um, it might be up here somewhere, but oh well. Um, <laughs> the Bear and the Nightingale, and oh, here we go, by Catherine, Catherine Arden. Um, mm-hmm. And it's sort of a, a Russian fairy tale inspired novel. Um, mm-hmm. It was enjoyable. Like, it wasn't amazing or anything, but it was enjoyable. Like, I enjoyed reading it. So, hey, mm-hmm. on my what way. <laughs> I um, Oh, I also watched, I saw The Favorite recently, which um, was a kind of bleak, depressing, but it's a good but depressing movie about lesbians, which See, all of them are. Okay, I, I know that this is the case now, but why the fuck did everybody tell me it was a comedy? It's not. Jesus. I mean, there's some funny moments, but I was like, like, I I feel was like, like it's a dark comedy. That's what I thought. I thought it was a dark comedy. I mean, here's the thing. Like, while we were watching it, like, a couple people laughed at um, how much the queen wanted one of, you know, I think part of the comedy is like, oh, this, like, ugly woman is a lesbian. Ah. So, like, if, if you're, like, really into, you know, going ha-ha at that, like, it's, um... Probably a lot more funny to you, but if uh. you if you view it as a as a movie about like uh power and relation like uh like a broken person and like power dynamics and relationships and also about lesbians, um then you're like, this is has some funny moments, but it is not funny. Mm. Um like there there's this it's just I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, I mean that's that's clarifying um yeah because i feel like i was given the entirely wrong impression of it Mm. i mean it it is a comedy it's just like it's like i would say like there's like four darks in front of comedy okay i mean again it's i think it's by the same dude who did the lobster which apparently was so disturbing that someone i knew like threw up after watching it so oh jesus well hannah said that the ending reminded her of the lobster and she yeah she didn't like the lobster at all because she doesn't like movies that are despairing um and who can blame her in this year of our lord 2019 yeah this is why i don't watch movies because they're all but what about avengers endgame are we going to find out i am excited for avengers endgame i am basic as hell and i am very excited i will tell you the month of april is gonna be wild for me so we have what? Avengers, we have Game of Thrones. Avengers and What's Game of else? Thrones. That's it. But that's, that's enough. It. Well, and also final. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, oh, yeah, also final, like, I guess. The end of my semester. Um, mm-hmm. So it's going to be a lot. Um, especially mm-hmm. Game of Thrones, of course. I'm going to lose my mind. Yeah. Of course. You're already losing your mind. <laughs> it's true. So I'll either lose my mind in a good way or in a bad way. So do you think they'll actually drink Bud Light on the show? <laughs> it's like, oh, Just no. Cersei's like, oh, everything sucks. Like, <laughs> Right. Time to go take a cold shower with a, like, a hot shower with a cold Bud Light. Daenerys ah. is like, hey, guys, I know I burned all the food, but <laughs> guess what I got a cooler of? <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I mean, they had to get that money from somewhere, right? Like, I mean, I... 
Yeah. <laughs> I think it was just, just for the like, ad. I just, actually, I'm very mad about this. If they don't have, they're like, oh, we can't afford to include a uh, ghost in the season. They, they they say ghost is in the coming season, but in the uh-huh. past season, like, oh, you know, Dire Wolf's really expensive. I'm like, but you paid for a Super Bowl ad that <laughs> sucked? <laughs> okay. <laughs> anyway, I have a lot of feelings. Um, well, that's, that's also kind of like, that is how it works. Like, you know, the, the, rich spend money on themselves instead of what matters aka ghosts ghosts in game of thrones ghost matters ghost matters okay okay well. <laughs> sorry i'm just giggling to myself um all right yeah let's let's sign off uh thank you for listening you can follow us at our individual twitters mine is at the molly jean that's at the m-o-l-y-j-e-a-n-n-e um, I'm at Alonculus, A-L-O-N-K-U-L-O-U-S. You can also email us at storygutscast at gmail.com. And yeah, if you have any... Oh, also shout out to Ricky who um, posted a video of how to pronounce ennui oh. um, on my Facebook. So I oh. when I got into this business, I didn't expect to get savagely roasted on Facebook over my mispronunciation of words. Oh, but. yeah. I... Do you want me to correct you when you're talking? I just feel like apparently I probably uh, shouldn't. But you know what? I, at this point, maybe okay. So I don't get like savagely roasted on Facebook. Yeah, apparently. Um, <laughs> also, thank you to Becky and Ilana for suggesting this topic um, mm-hmm. after our rewatch of The Emperor's New Groove yesterday. Which we didn't even get into much. Oh, rewatch Emperor's New Groove. It's a classic. I I've mean, seen it like five times. Like, the, all there is to say about it is that he learns a moral lesson. Like, it's yeah. whatever. Yeah, that's true. And it's a funny. It's, it's funny. funny. Um, okay, yeah. So thank you for listening. We'll be back in two weeks. And stay hungry. Wow.